on us to be here this morning. We're very excited to be here in Florida. And um, my name is Josh Sullivan, and then my family, praise the Lord, are out there now. So my kids, they can sit down for about two minutes, and then they'll be up everywhere. So <laughs> we got them dispersed around. So, But uh, my wife is Megan, and we have four children. Mallory is nine. Avit is uh, five. Is that right? I can't remember. And then... <laughs> Mercy, uh, uh, Silas is four, and then Mercy is two. And so we're excited to be here. I, I, we, what happened was we were not supposed to, we were in South Africa, but because, and we had our furlough planned, we were supposed to arrive um, on like November 20th. But because of COVID and because of the quarantine, South Africa's been having quarantine, then no quarantine, then back on and off, we heard there was another quarantine happening. So we decided, let's leave now. So we left like at the very end of October and said, so about three weeks early. And so these prayer cards, that I just had to throw them together. They don't have names. After I got them all printed, I realized there's no names or anything on here. So you just have to memorize them, okay? But we are excited to be here and happy, very happy and obliged that you guys would have us come. Thank you, Pastor. But it was, <clears throat> uh, we landed on the field in November of 2018. And so as soon as we landed and we finished our deputation and, and landed on the field, uh, there's another missionary there uh, named Mark Coffey who had started a youth camp in a church. So we were able to immediately start working in the youth camp while we, when we got there and we attended his church. And then in January of 2019, it sounds not that long ago, but it feels a long, like a long time ago, uh, we started a very strenuous language school. Uh, South Africa, they do speak English as one of their main languages, but with the people that we work with, they speak a language called Kosa. And so that's a language we, for about a year and a half, we did four hours of class a day and then spent the rest of the day practicing what we learned. And so it was very strenuous, but uh, we finished in July of this, this past year, 2020, 20, what year is it? 2020, yeah. Goodness gracious. So we finished in July 2020 and, and, and began, my wife started teaching in the yeah, young girls, teens class at that church we were working at, and then I did a, a men's class. And so the Lord's helped us and blessed us to be able to teach and read and in the language and different things like that. But just kind of think, kind of just like everybody, we were working, learning, and moving on. And then what happened to everybody? COVID hit, right? And it hit, it hit the whole world. And so um, for us in South Africa, I'm not sure, I, I, I'm not sure. Every state, I think, has been different here as far as quarantines and lockdowns and stuff. But in South Africa, the whole nation was locked down for almost three, three months. You couldn't leave your house but to go to the grocery store. That was it. That was absolutely it. And so because of that, church stopped. Everything halted. And so we had to find different ways in ministry. You know, here it's very nice that most people have Internet at their home. They can watch services or they can listen to services at the least uh, different things like that, but over there, the people, they have internet access, but it's very limited, and they can only afford a certain amount each month, so preaching over the internet and all that is just not possible. Amber alert. I think everybody's getting the same message at the same time. Um, it was, just wasn't possible, and so one of the missionaries decided, let's go into the areas that the church is in and pass out rice, and so for a month or so, we would just have a bunch of churches sent us some money, and we just bought tons of rice bags, passed them out with the gospel, tried to minister to the people that way. And so the Lord blessed us with all of that. And then um, COVID 
you know, was rough on everybody. But God always has a way of work using that and working that. Because of COVID, there was a young man named Njeza. And Njeza lives in an area, another area far away from where we worked in our church. But his uncle lives in the house that our church is at. And so for the quarantine, he stayed with his uncle for about two and a half months. And because he stayed with his uncle, who's a Christian, he got saved during that time, praise the Lord. And so Njeza got saved and was coming to the church. And I didn't really know him that well. But after I started talking to him a little bit, I said, you know, we got to know each other. He's 15 years old. And there's a lot of young people that come. But this guy in particular, God kind of moves my heart towards him. And I began talking and meeting with him. And I said, well, where do you live? And he told me he lived in Motherwell, which is about 30 minutes away. And I thought that by this time, quarantine had been ending and they were back in school. And I thought, wow, this boy gets on a taxi, a 30-minute taxi ride every weekend to come to this church. And I thought, wow, what a special kid. And so I started meeting with him more and more, began discipling. He did a discipleship program with him. And then around August, uh, when our language school had finished, I asked him if he'd be, to speak. I spoke to his, he lives with his grandmother. I spoke to her. And after talking to her and him, we decided to start a Bible study in that area. So can you imagine the only Baptist church uh, you could go to was a 30-minute taxi ride away? So that's the kind of area that we work in. So Motherwell is about 30 minutes north of him. It has about 150,000 people in this area. And there's, not, there's a Baptist church there, but very loosely Baptist. You know, Baptist in South Africa doesn't mean the same as the same as it does in America. But, um, and so they have one Baptist church for 150,000 people. And so the Lord's been plant, pushing on my heart. We started a Bible study. We did it for, we started in August. So we've been doing it ever since, until we got here. So every week I'd meet with him and a few, about, we've had as little as two, we've had as many as 17, but praise the Lord, a 17-year-old girl got saved right before we left for our furlough. So we praise the Lord for that, and the Lord has confirmed in my heart, and then that's where he wants us to start a church. And so we're very excited about that. We're looking to raise about $40,000. That, that would be a, a nice church building with a good foundation. That'd be for chairs and, and, and uh, sound system and all that. And so we've got about 3,000 of that raised, praise the Lord. And we know he's going to raise it for us before we go back in April. We're leaving in April to go back. So we're very excited about that and cover your prayers for that situation. But just a quick story to finish this out, and then we, could, we can get in the Bible here in a minute. But we, me and Megan were going to the Bible study like we had been doing for a few weeks there. And we were sitting down talking to Jez's grandmother. And we just began talking, chit-chatting, you know, small talk. And then she said... Did you hear about the man we burned over the weekend? And so me and Megan look at each other like, you know, we're still working on our call signs. So we're like, did she say what we think she just? So I asked her and began talking to her. And she said, yeah, we burned a man over the weekend. And so we began asking questions. And then she began to tell us there was a, yeah, um, a man in the, who lived in the area who had been accused of some pretty rough things, some pretty bad things. And because there's no, there's police in South Africa, but there's only police in, to the people who have money. And there's, you know, justice system over there, but, it, you know, it doesn't run very well. So if there's an issue, they take matters into their own hands. So me and Megan were sitting there talking and said, if, what's worse, what this man's accused of doing or the fact that maybe he was innocent and got killed over the weekend because of what he was accused of doing? And so that's just a quick little story to get into the mindset of a South African. Um, like I said, a, 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 
in South Africa, there's one point, uh, I'm sorry, there's 60 million people. 80% of them are black, just like you would imagine an African country. But there's a large white population as well, 10% white. I don't know if any of you remember Nelson Mandela and apartheid. And the whites were in control of the government. And then the blacks were in control. And it's just a mess. And there's still a lot of racism. Still a lot of places that are segregated. Um, they say Port Elizabeth, the city that I live in, Port Elizabeth, South Africa, is the most segregated city in the world. And if I took you there today, I could tell you this is where the white people live. This is where the black people live. This is where the Indian people live. And that's, that's just the way it goes. And so... We work in the black area, of course. We're talking to the pastor this morning, and he said, in every country that you've been to, there's good parts and there's bad parts. And that's true. That's very true what he said. And we're going to be working in the rough part and the rough part. In some countries, the rough parts are, are worse than other countries' rough parts. But I want you to think about these South African people. Can you imagine being born and raised and living your entire life without ever hearing a message from the Bible? Not even a message from the Bible, but even seeing a Bible. Or even hearing the name Jesus. South Africans, a majority of them will grow up with a form of religion. They'll have they'll, they'll believe in and they believe in ancestral worship and they believe in Jesus and they believe in all these things and they mix them all together. But God has called us to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And man, the same gospel I heard that's that I got saved by at six years old, praise the Lord. Is the same gospel I read of in my Bible. Is the same gospel I'm going to preach in South Africa. And so we're very excited about that. And if you would, take that gospel message and open up with me to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. This morning. I just want to show you a few things the Lord has put and impressed on my heart. When I was doing my, not my Bible study, but my uh, adult Sunday school class. I probably had maybe three or four adult men and then about 10 or 15 teenagers, 13 or olders. And so we, I just started it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. And we did a Bible study. We almost finished chapter 2 before I left. But God has shown me some things here that I think may hopefully will help you this morning. And you know, me personally, I don't know if what it is. Probably, I'm just probably just not very, a very good Christian. But the Lord's always dealing with me with my Christian walk. And things that I can do better to, to get closer to Him. Or more things I can sacrifice for Him. Or how I could submit myself better to Him. That's something that's all I'm always being dealt with in my mind. And so this morning I want to preach to you a little bit on how we could better submit ourselves to Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at Paul and his message here to the, the people at Colossae. My wife said, I said Colossae the other day. My wife said it's Colossae. And then someone told me it was something else. So whatever, however you say it, that's what we'll go with, okay? But Colossae, or Colossae, whatever you want to say. But Paul, to get some introduction, Paul is preaching to some people he's never met before. The, book, uh, the church at Colossians, at Colossae, the church at Colossae was started by, uh, was not started by Paul. Most of the time when we're reading, he's writing to people he knows or has met or has led to the Lord and the pastor or Timothy or somebody he knows and he's trying to get them to understand something better or he's answering questions or whatever it is in his letter. But here he's writing to people he's never met. He's writing to a church he's never been to. And he's trying to encourage them and tell them, hey, you can do this. You can be successful. You can submit yourself to Christ. And so this morning I want to preach a little bit on the steps of submission to Jesus Christ. Some steps to submission of Jesus, to Jesus Christ. If we look here in Colossians chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 9 and then we'll pray. Verse 9 to 12 says, Paul speaking here, he says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, 
and to desire that you might be filled with the, with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, Verse 12 says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. Quickly, if you look with me in verse 23, I'm sorry, verse 24, he says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, Paul speaking, and fill up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is of the church, which is the church, I'm sorry. Let's pray. Dear Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to be in this pulpit, Lord. Thank you for the passion of the church, for allowing us to come this morning and present a little bit about the work that you're doing in South Africa. But this morning, God, I pray you help us to, to use this time that we have, Lord, to uh, try to understand your Bible, Lord, to understand your Bible, God, and to apply it to our lives better. Help me this morning, Lord, to present and give the word that you've put in my heart. God, help me to be clear and concise in my message this morning, and I pray you'd help us to all bring glory and honor to you throughout this service. I know that's the pastor's heart as well this morning, Lord, and I pray you'd help us just to glorify your name this morning. And again, if there is any loss this morning, God, I pray you'd save their soul. Anyone watching this morning, God, that's lost or needs to draw closer to you, help us to make that decision this morning. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen and amen. Here in Colossians chapter 1 and verse uh, 9 we started. Uh, Paul says here, he, he, he is giving them an introduction in verse 1 and 2 and tells them that he's praying for them and thankful for them and telling them about the gospel that has been given to them. And in verse 9 he says, For this cause, because of the gospel, in verse 5 he says, For the hope which is laid up for you and in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. In verse 6 he says, It is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit. In verse 9, he says, because of this, for this cause, because of the gospel, we, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul is talking to Christians here right now. He's talking to people who have already accepted Christ, and he's talking to people already in a church. So that'd be me and you this morning this is written to. And he's writing to people that are already in the church, established, most likely saved and baptized. And he says in verse 9, We do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I want you to understand this morning that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He shed His blood for us. And because of His sacrifice, we can have hope in heaven and we can have salvation if we accept Him as our Savior. And this morning I could take the time and I could preach about the death burial and resurrection and we could go to second corinthians and look in chapter 15 and talk about all that i could we could spend all morning talking about how he died the blood that he shed we could talk about his birth we could talk about his miracles what a miraculous thing jesus christ did for us on the cross amen he settled it all on that day praise the lord but i want you to understand this morning that jesus christ didn't do he didn't come to the earth he wasn't born was we celebrate christmas for and he didn't die and, and didn't do all of those things just so that we could have salvation. Just to save us, and that's it. Now, that's a great work. I'm not trying to underestimate that at all. But sometimes as Christian, I know me, I was saved at six years old, and I never really did anything for the Lord, didn't really ever serve Him with my life until I, I was 19 years old. 
But I, I got saved, and that was it. I'm saved, right? I'm saved. That's it. Praise the Lord. I went to church. I read my Bible some, did a little bit of things here and there, go to visitation and sometimes work on a bus route, but that was about it. But Paul, I think here in verse 9 through 12, he's trying to get Christian people to understand. He's trying to get me to understand, hey, we're not just saved and that's it. There's more to the story. He wants us to live a life here on earth that would be pleasing in his eyes. And first of all, this morning, church, if we're going to submit ourselves to Jesus Christ better, if you look in verse 1, to submit is to be filled to be filled. Filled with what? We read it in verse 9. That you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all, uh, uh, with His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I think if you took a lost person and you, and you had them read this verse, verse 9, and had them explain it to you, I think you would get a, a, an answer here. Again, this is somebody who's lost and probably never read the Bible before, let's say. When they read this verse, I think they might tell you that Christ is telling us in verse 9 just to do better. Just live better. Get some more knowledge. Uh, try to find His will for your life. Try to maybe be filled with the Spirit, maybe they would say. Just work a little bit harder. Do a little bit better. Church, this morning almost all religions have the same attitude or the same mantra. Uh, do better. Just live better. Follow better. Do, do the rules, whatever they are, just do them a little bit better and everything will be okay. If you just get a little bit better every single day, then by the end of your life, you'll be pretty close to God, right? That's not the case at all. That's not what, he's, what, what Paul's trying to say. He's not saying here, do better and God will fill you. He'll say, because you are filled, you can do God's will. We're, the day that we got saved is the day that the Lord gave us the Comforter. The day, John 14 John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. We can understand the Bible. We can be filled with the knowledge of him because the Holy Spirit abides inside of us. Praise the Lord. The Comforter abides inside of us. He says that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I remember as a young guy, young, guy, young kid, uh, a child thinking, well, my pastor knows everything. I grew up in church, raised in church, and I would think, my pastor knows all about the Bible. He knows so much, I could never know those things. And some of that is experience. You know, he's been pastoring for almost, 20, almost 30 years, so some of those things I won't know until I get there. But it's when it comes to the Bible, there's not anything my pastor understands in this Bible that I can't understand. There's not anything a missionary reads in this Bible that's any better or any clearer than an average Christian can understand. And when I say that average Christian, I don't mean anything by that. To, to be Christian is not to be average. But if you are saved this morning, you can understand God's Word. You can understand God's will for your life. It's not a secret. It's not hidden. It's written for you. These words are written for me just as much as they're written for the South African or the Floridian or the Tennessean. They're written to the Christian for us to understand and apply to our life. Praise the Lord for that. In some religions, there's a, a, a ladder you got to climb. Once you reach the next level, then you know a little bit more, but you, then you got to work or maybe give money to get to the next level, so on and so forth. That's not our God. That's not our Christ. Praise the Lord. We can go to Him. Praise God. We can understand Him. And we can go to Him because He has given the Holy Spirit to help us. To be submitted is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You know, I, I, I've had some... I, I had to... Uh, I worked a pest control company 
But to, before I could work there, I had to pass a test to be certified in pest control. So before I could receive my certification, I had to study and work to understand to pass the test, right? As Christians, we don't have to, un- we don't have to pass a test to, feel, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have that as Christians. But understand this morning, he says here, to, I, I wrote here, to, be sub- to submit is to be filled with the Spirit of God. I had to be filled with that information to pass that test. If you want to follow the will of God with your life, you've got to be filled with the information. Amen? You've got to be filled and understand the Word of God. To understand the Word of God, you've got to read it. Amen? You've got to read it. And, 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 and uh, you, you have to read it before you can even understand it. Second of all, as Christians this morning, to be filled, I think a child of God wants to understand. I remember growing up in church and thinking, I want to know more about the Lord, right? I think if you're saved this morning, you've got a desire in you to want to serve God. God put that in there, praise the Lord. You know, me and Pastor were talking a little bit. I'm a, I am a sports fan, and I'm not going to tell you of what team. I'm from just south of Knoxville, Tennessee, so you can answer that question yourself. But, but as a sports fan, you know, I enjoy sports. I, I enjoy watching it. I enjoy watching the South African sports, too. I love them as well. I just like sports. But... The worst thing about being a fan of a team is not just that they lose, but sometimes the attitude that they lose with. You know, my teams in the past, maybe even this year, it's just like they show up and then they lose and then who cares, right? They're apathetic to the game. They're apathetic to the loss. And sometimes it seems like the fans care more that they lost than the coach and the players do. I don't know if that's the case, but that's what it feels like. As Christians, sometimes though, we're the same. We're apathetic to the things of God. We came to church. We showed up, just like the players showed up to the game. I think that's all they thought they had to do was just put on the uniform. But no, as Christians, I was this way until I was 19 years old. I was there. I was at church. I showed up. You know, I came. And as Christians, we have have to lose the apathy to the things of God. And sometimes my brother-in-law preached a good message this past week. He said, the more familiar we are with the things of God, sometimes the more apathetic we become to those things. Just like a team. The more you lose, the more apathetic you come to losing. The more around the things of God you are, sometimes it's just that's just what it is. But we must relearn and regain. Maybe I'm not preaching to you this morning, but maybe this morning we've lost a little bit of that luster. We, we've lost a little bit how great God is and how He wants to use you. And how He can use you. How He can use this church. How He is using this church. The people who have been saved or baptized or different things that God's got going on. Praise the Lord. Amen. How exciting that is. How exciting those things are. I've heard it said that we we communicate to God through our prayer. But the way that He communicates to us is by His Word. And what, what, what an amazing gift He's given us. His very words that He wants us to know. Let's not be apathetic to those things. I've been like that in the past. Apathetic to the, my Bible study that day, just reading it just to read. Amen? We've all been there. We've all been there. But let's regain some of that excitement. To be filled, to be submitted to God is to be filled with the knowledge of God. Amen? Second of all, to be submitted to God is to follow God. Look in verse 10. He says that you might walk worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. If we're walking, then who are we following? Who are we obeying this morning? To submit to God is to follow God. 
To follow means to decide to go in the same direction. So this morning, let's decide, me as an individual Christian, or today or tomorrow, let's decide to go in the same direction as God. At times we think that it may be, I've thought this, I say, I keep saying we, but I'm preaching to myself this morning, I've thought this, and I think you might have thought this as well. We think it's impossible to serve God. I've seen missionaries come to our church, I could never do that. I've seen preachers preach at our church and say, I could never do that, I can't be like that. But understand this morning, you, you can serve God. Maybe not in, in that capacity, but you can please God this morning. We may think that it's impossible, and listen, this morning it is impossible if we, if we try to do it in the flesh. If we try to do it ourselves, if I'm in South Africa and I'm planting the church and I'm trying to do it all by myself and of my flesh, it's not going to go right. It's going to fail. But if I allow the Holy Spirit to lead or if I depend on him to do it, then he's going to get it done. Amen. Think about an injury or a broken arm. I've never had a broken bone, but I've heard people say with a broken arm or a broken leg, they'll say they'll have that cast, the bone heals, right? The, the, the crack or whatever it was begins to heal itself. And then the doctors will say that where that break was, where that crack was, after it's fully healed, that part of, the, part of the bone has so much calcium in it, and it's corrected itself so much that it's going to be twice as hard to break it in the same spot than it was before. Because your, how amazing our body is to correct and fix itself. Think about that in the same way this morning If I, when it comes to following God. We must allow the Lord to break our will, break my will, and then strengthen it Himself. As He says in verse 10, or verse 11, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. Strengthened by Him. The, the Bible uses words uh, for a reason. It has specific words it uses for a reason. And I've, I've always said strengthened with all might by His glorious power in verse 11. But it doesn't say by His glorious power. What does it say? According to His glorious power. If you just do a Webster's Dictionary search right there, that word according, um, if I can find it, I wrote it down here. That word according, it doesn't just mean by or for. Webster says that according means stated by or depending on. Depending on. So let's read it that way. Strengthened with all might, depending on His glorious power. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you depend on Him, we can be strengthened by Him and we can serve Him. Praise the Lord. Strengthened by Him, depending on Him. Praise God. So we said to be, filled, to be, to be submitted is to be filled of God. To be submitted is to follow God. To be strengthened by Him in verse 11. By Him, depending on Him. If you look in verse 9 and in verse 10, he says here in verse 9, and desire that you might be filled. With verse 10, he says that you might walk worthy. I've taught this lesson before, and I said that that word might means depending on me. I can serve God if I make the decision to do it. I think that sounds okay. That sounds good. I think that will preach. You know, we've got to make the decision to serve God. But after studying this some more and reading it a little bit, I, think, I don't think that's what it means. I think it means something else. I think that that word might means, uh, after studying a little bit differently, I think that word might means so that you can do it. Not you can do it if you decide to do it, but that it, 
it's possible for you to do it. Meaning that someone else made it possible. Someone else made it possible. Because of what Jesus Christ did, it is now possible for you to have the wisdom of of God. To have spiritual understanding. It is now possible for you to walk worthy of the Lord. It is now possible to be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God and be strengthened by Him. Because of what He did, we can. Praise the Lord. Because of what He did, we can. Lastly, to be submitted is to be firm. And I'll I'll tell you what I mean by that. But to be submitted is to be firm. Look in verse 14. He says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. To start it all off, I'm going to talk about a firm foundation. But before we can have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ, we have to get one major problem solved. And that's our sin nature. That's our sin. And it's a big problem. If you've read the New Testament for five minutes, you'll see that God hates sin. Or the Old Testament, or the New Testament. If you read the Bible for five minutes, you'll see that God hates sin. Amen? Hates it. And He cannot communicate or be in communion with the one that has sin. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid our price. Paid the price for us. Now that we have salvation, praise the Lord, God no longer looks at us with sin. He looks at us with the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise His name. So now that we can serve Him. Verse 14 is an amazing verse because Paul's explaining that when Christ died on the cross, He redeemed us. He bought us back to Himself. Through His blood, and He bought us to the point where we can even have forgiveness for our sins. That's not a small thing. Praise God. That word forgiveness, if I give you an attribute of my wife, it would be cleanliness. Okay? Cleanliness. That doesn't mean that my wife was clean for just one time in her life. It means she lives a life of cleanliness, right? That means i got to be clean too, okay? <laughs> if my wife's going to be clean. So we're still working on that part. That's not an attribute of me, cleanliness. But So I'm still learning that. But the, the point I'm trying to make is cleanliness. He says here, forgiveness. It doesn't mean He just forgave us one time. It means we continually sin, but He will continually forgive if we ask for it. Amen? Praise the Lord. He will forgive us. He continues to forgive us. Uh, if we're going to have a firm foundation, first of all, we've got to be saved. We've got to get the, pro- this, the problem of sin dealt with. Look here in verse 20. Yeah, verse 20. We've got to get the problem of sin dealt with in our life. And he says in verse 20, And having made peace, not only did He save us, but He now gives us an opportunity to have peace with God. There's been times where me and my wife have had an argument, and maybe we settled the argument. We are no longer fighting about what we fought about and we've forgiven each other, but it's still lingering. You guys have been married. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Right? The fight's over. That's been dealt with. But there's still this awkwardness in the air. Right? That's because we haven't made up yet. We haven't made peace yet. Okay? With Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross and saved us, He paid the price The forgiveness is there. The fight is over. We've been saved. It's sealed. It's settled. But not only that, not only did He save us, but in verse 20, He says He gave us peace with God. He gave us peace with God. We can go to Him. We can communicate to Him. If I'm wanting a new gun, it's not the time to ask my wife when we just got out of a fight, right? I need to wait until there's a little bit more peace there, right? 
When we go to God, we can have comfort knowing that we have peace with the Father because of Jesus Christ. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things of earth and heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and the enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath He reconciled, praise the Lord, in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. We're talking about a firm foundation. Verse 23 if you continue, verse 20, 21, and 22, where this is what Christ has done for you, you've got a foundation. Verse 23 is now, what are you going to do about it? Okay? 20, 21, 22, look what Christ did. It's all been done. The price has been paid. You have the foundation. Verse 23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which is preached to every creature which is under heaven, which is under heaven, whereof I missed Paul and made a minister. He says, be not moved. We know we're clean. We know we have the foundation. We know we're saved. We know He laid it, laid the foundation. We know what's in heaven for us. We know we're going there. But now, Paul's asking, what are you going to do about it? I'll show you verse 24 in a second about what he says. But when you learn, it's funny, when you learn a new language, in the beginning, there's only a few things you can say. You know, after you get the greetings over in people's names and hello, how are you? What's the weather like? Right? You start to say things that you would say in English. You, you try to find the things that you say the most in English so you can say them in the different language. And one of the things that you, you start to realize there's patterns, and you start to realize I say that a lot. You know, because it's the only thing I can say now. So it's I guess that's all I said in English. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is. A very common English phrase that we say a lot, quite a bit, is what, what do you stand for? Something to that effect, if you're trying to change it into another language. Or what do you represent? Or who are you, right? What is it that you stand for? What is it that you represent? God is looking for a representative. God is looking for someone to stand for Him. We're talking about Christians this morning. We're not talking about... Uh, this is a message to lost people, but we're talking about Christians this morning. He's looking for a Christian, a saved person, who's going to stand for him, who's going to represent their life to Jesus Christ, someone that he can work with. In South Africa, we have a major problem. We have a lack of men of God. It's, we have a, about three missionaries there who are men of God. Praise the Lord for those men I've learned from. They're men of God, but they're not South African men of God. We need men to step up out of the churches, saved men to step up and to grow and to be men that would reach their country and stand up for God. Somebody someone can look up to. Uh, maybe you haven't, but me personally, I had a Christian man I could look up to, right? You know, a pattern that I could follow. We're lacking that in South Africa. Pray for that. We need that. But in America, it, I think, I think we, we have a problem, but it's the exact opposite. There's a lot of men of God. There's many men of God. I, I could name you four, five, six, ten. I could name you 20 men that have made a difference in my life by their stand for God. I can talk about the books that I've read of men of God. You've, you've got a man of God here in your church that you guys can look towards. You. There may be a deacon or another somebody in this church that when something needs to be done, those men take care of it, right? We've got men like that all over. 
I've been in three churches, in, well, two churches in St. Cloud and one in Davenport. I don't know how far Davenport is from here. But there's a, there's a lot of churches in this area with men of God that are standing for Him and preaching His Word, right? But that sometimes is a problem. Because as an individual, individual Christian, me, looking up to my pastor, I would think, oh, they've got it. My pastor's got it, right? That problem will be solved by the men, of, by the men in the church. They'll figure all that out. So there's never really a spot for me because those men will take care of it, right? Sometimes me, maybe not you, we, I think we tend to think that way. There's a man of God, God called, he doesn't need me. And sometimes that can be an excuse that we use on why we don't want to stand for the Lord. Ezekiel 22 verse 30 says, And I sought for a man among them, that I should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. But I found none. Where are the men of God all over the world this morning? There may be, you may be one. Praise the Lord. I think there probably is a few in here. There's few, tons in Florida. Churches in this county probably. I don't know. But think about that as, as an individual. As me this morning. Where are God's men? What do we stand for? What do we represent? To be submitted to God is, if we look at the life of Paul, and I'm going to read you verse 24 in a minute, but if we look at the life of Paul, probably the greatest, if I asked this morning, who's the greatest Christian ever to live? I think it would be a clear answer. It would be your pastor, right? No, I'm just kidding. It would be Paul, right? It would be Paul. I think we all would say that. We can look at his life and say, he did the work of the Lord. He did the work of God. We can see and look in Paul's life that Paul was submitted to God by his faith in God, by the fact that he was filled with God, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the knowledge of God, strengthened by God. He followed his God. Amen? And he was firm in his God. He was firm in the foundation of his God. Look in verse 24. Paul says, Who now, or continuing on from the last verse, but he said, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you? What is he talking about? Look at the end of verse 23. He says, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister of. So everyone that I've preached the gospel to, everyone under heaven that I've preached the gospel to, or, well, I'll just move on, but he, 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 he's saying, I, Paul, am made a minister to many, many, many people who have got saved. Verse 24, those people who, when he says who, he's talking back about them, who, those saved people, now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So, and then in verse 25, he explains a little bit more what he's talking about. But he Paul is talking about himself here. And he's not glorifying himself. Okay, I don't believe he's glorifying himself in any way. I don't believe he's talking good about himself. I don't think that he is trying to get onto them and say, you better listen to me because I've done this and this and this. I don't think that's what he's doing at all. I think he's trying to get church, the church to understand. In verse 24, they rejoice in my sufferings for you. And in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church. Verse 25, wherefore I have made a minister. Paul says, I have sacrificed my life 
for the church. I've given up my life to serve God. He's getting to the end of his life here in Colossae. He's in prison now. He's about to move on to the next stage of life, about to go see God, about to go see Christ that he worked for. So he's getting to the end of his life, and he can clearly say and write down in a letter, I've suffered for the church. When I get to the end of my life, can I say the same thing? Not glorifying myself, but just answering a simple question. Did I sacrifice for the Lord? Did I give Him my all? Did I really work for Him? Or did I just do the things that were most convenient to do? Talking to myself. I rejoice in the sufferings for your sake. Christ suffered for us on the cross. Praise the Lord. But Paul saying, I suffered for my Christ. I sacrificed for my Lord. Can I say the same thing this morning about my life? Am I willing to suffer for the sake of Christ? He went to the cross. How far am I? How far is the church willing to go? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus Lord, and ourselves servants for Jesus' sake. Ourselves servants for Jesus' sake. Is that true about me this morning? When I die, can my kids put on my, my uh, headstone there, a servant for Jesus' sake? Got to answer that question. I got to live a life that would be answer that question. Paul was willing to give his life for Christ. What are we willing to do for Christ? Are we willing to submit ourselves to Jesus Christ? Or what more can I do to be a servant to Jesus Christ? Pastor, if you come, I'm just going to pray. And then the pastor is going to come and finish out the service the whichever way he pleases. But let's go to the Lord this morning. Dear Father God, I thank you for your scripture and for your Bible. I thank you for the conviction that you bring, God. I thank you very much so. At times, I don't like it. But Lord, I thank, I'm thankful that you convict us and that you use your spirit to move us, to push us, God, in direction to be better servants for you, Lord. God, I pray if there's any sin in my life, you'd show it to me, God, and in the church, Lord, God, you'd help us, Lord, to get rid of those things so that we can serve better for you. Get those, offset those weights, God. God, this morning, Lord, again, if there's any loss, save them this morning, God. Help them to see that they need you. Lord, I pray this morning, God, for those that are serving, Lord, in the church. Help us to continue to serve, to be servants and leaders in your church and to sacrifice for your sake. We love you. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.